there. I'm here without Aaron for the first time in this podcast here's history, which is a little weird. Um, but I'm here with a really good friend of mine, uh, Joe Joe Hall. So Hello. Yes, this is Joe. I am brown, and I'm here. <laughs> so Joe is also kind of at school with us. He's kind of a student, kind of on staff. He's interning. Um, and yeah, we asked. he was one of the first people who made it known that he listened to our podcast. Really? Actually? Yeah, yeah. You okay. posted on your story. And, right, Yeah, That's and right. Aaron and I just kind of looked at it like, did Joe, Joe Hall just give us a <laughs> shout out? What? <laughs> and so, yes, he's... Yeah, you were the you were the oh. first, and it was nice. a, it was a big deal for me. <laughs> so that's, that's, I never would have known that. Yeah, we we didn't know what to do. So I watched like the first episode, like or watched I listened to the first episode, like two like a month and a half after it came out. Oh it yeah, was a while. Yeah, it wasn't like we didn't tell a lot of people that we were doing it because mm. we were like, this is a joke. <laughs> Nobody's gonna take it seriously. So we posted it on Instagram and just kind of left it. And then, yeah, you listen to it, and we were like, oh, man, someone actually listened to it who's not going to the school right now. That's a big deal. So, yeah, um, this is, it's not an allegory with only half of me and all of Joe, so it's great. Uh, <laughs> oh, wait, okay. only half of us, yes. <laughs> I guess. Perhaps, Aaron, and I, Aaron and I are one person. Pam's lower half is yeah, not here yeah, right now. Pretty Just, much. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Um, so, do you want to... Just explain a little bit of what you do at the school first yeah. and then... Totally. So I am what's known as the fine arts intern. Um, so I'm underneath our drama director, mm -hmm. and her name is Shania, and we do lots of play stuff and do a lot of writing scripts and just working in the arts, except music, because I don't have a musical bone in my body. Not, not one? Not one. I feel, you beatbox. I do. I don't know. Does that count as music? Kind of, I don't know. It has rhythm. It's okay. You have more rhythmic skill than some musicians I know. <laughs> nice. <That's> okay. <laughs> I will take that all day. Um, but yeah, so I, I do some teaching. I work in communications, uh, do public speaking stuff, teach people how to talk. Um, yeah. It's a real brief summary. Yeah. I do. yeah. All right. Um, so I asked you on this podcast, we've talked about having you on this for a while, because... And it is too bad that Erin's not here because we were going to incorporate her artisticness in it. Mm -hmm. But you're a actor. Yes. And write scripts, I guess, which yes. is super cool and yeah. mad respect. Sweet. Um, and you're also a poet. Yes. In your free time. Mm -hmm. um, and so, and as most of our listeners know, I also am kind of a poet and Erin is a painter. And so we were going to talk to you a bit about just what, um, how how we use arts that aren't necessarily typically seen as worship hmm. to worship because yes. when we think of worship and we think of the arts we think of music mm -hmm. primarily yeah. and singing and then maybe if if someone's really nerdy they might think of like stained glass windows or mm -hmm. like old cathedrals that are beautiful um but there's a lot more to art and worship than this those things mm -hmm. And acting is something that you're really passionate about. And I've heard you talk about how God has used your acting through just the acting team here and other places and your poetry to glorify himself through it. And so I want to know just a little bit about how you've used drama to... 
Totally. Uh, one of the things about drama that is makes it so um, versatile as an art <laughs> is that you can take it anywhere. Yeah. Um, with with worship specifically, it's seen as one of those things that's like just in the church, mm-hmm. and you can't really take your worship team out to, um, you know, some random, like, secular venue and be like, we're going to play a worship set and everyone's going to enjoy it. But you can create a drama team. For us, it'd be like our traveling drama team. And we can call up a secular school and we can Mm -hmm. say like, hey, do you mind if we put on a drama camp for these kids? Or would you allow us to do this play in in your venue or whatever? Um, We've had the opportunity to do different plays and stuff in, like, soup kitchens and doing ministry to homeless and some, like, really broken places uh, for everyone in, like, in Saskatchewan. Like, we've been in, like, dark places in North Battleford and Mm -hmm. downtown Winnipeg and all these places that we're able to get to that normal people wouldn't necessarily be able to gain access to so easily. Uh, because it's seen as more of that secular, mm-hmm. like you don't think drama when you think Christian. Mm-hmm. It's just not typical. And even with our bigger productions, uh, people won't come to a church service, but they'll come to a drama production. Yeah. And so it's a huge blessing to be able to invite those people who wouldn't necessarily come to a worship service in so they could hear the message of God in a way that's understandable. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of church services, as much as we try and not do this, we use a lot of Christianese and mm-hmm. we assume a lot about our congregation and what they know. Yeah. <laughs> With every drama production that I've been in, that I've written, that I've seen, you have to start at zero. You have to assume that no one knows anything about these characters, who they are, what they do, and including that gospel message. You have to assume that the audience knows nothing about it mm-hmm. and you have to communicate it in a way that is... It's so understandable. And so mm-hmm. I basically just said the same thing twice. Yeah. But um, but yeah, so the Lord has definitely used that for and used me as well in that way to get to these places and to share mm-hmm. that message with people I never would have thought possible before. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And you can like make it applicable to different audiences too. Like when I think mm-hmm. of worship, I think of like the nice band that got mm-hmm. has their life together. But like when mm-hmm. you think of drama, like I think of just how like you can cr- put any character in a drama, mm-hmm. you totally. you don't just have your perfect character who has their life together. You have, you show different struggles and then you can take the gospel message and show how it relates to those literal struggles that people have. Mm-hmm. And that's part of, that's why I enjoy drama. I can't, I can't act. I don't have an acting boat in my body. Yeah. For someone who's so dramatic, you would think <laughs> I'd figure out how to act. You just gotta stand it. on stage and do stuff. Mm. I'm going to pass. <laughs> but, yeah, I think that's, like, something I've really enjoyed about just watching the dramas here even. Like, the there's always a very real struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, and even telling real stories with it. Like, last year, uh, you weren't here, I guess, mm-hmm. but they did Corey Ten Boom mm-hmm. and her story. And Lori, who you work for, has mm-hmm. done uh, monologues telling stories mm-hmm. of people of the faith. And just, it's such a... It's such an encouragement to see the gospel applied in a context that I can see myself in. Because, mm. you know, there's lots of worship songs. I'm a worship artist mm-hmm. or worship music person. And we talk a lot about 
very vague concepts. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of talking about, oh, oceans and water and figurative <laughs> imagery. And imagery. <laughs> and that's great for my brain, right. but that's some the there's no like talking about real struggle and how the gospel can impact that real struggle. Mm -hmm. So I very much enjoy that about yeah. your ministry yeah. a lot. So now you know. Yeah. But well, that's encouraging. I'm glad as <laughs> I'm glad that someone without a drama bone in their body, apparently, yeah. likes, <laughs> um, enjoys drama. So, I do, yes. I do. And, I mean, you're a very talented actor. Oh, I, I do enjoy watching you perform because it's sure. always hilarious. So <laughs> I'm glad. That's, at the same time, though, that's one of the very deep struggles, I think, in the arts in general. Mm -hmm. um, but especially being on a stage where you're receiving applause and instant not gratification, mm -hmm. but uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, you, you feel like you've done a good job. Mm -hmm. um, and um, it's so easy to get sucked into that, and pride mm -hmm. is huge. Mm -hmm. And I've struggled through that a ton, mm -hmm. being up on stage and being like, wow, I did such a good job, and all the glory is to me. And as, as much as it's a beautiful art, there's such a huge danger about, yeah. about making it all about you. And I think every artist goes through that. Oh, when, yeah whatever area they're in yep uh and it's a huge hurdle but mm -hmm. especially when you're receiving that instant like praise from mm -hmm. like you you say something funny you do a part of a play well you say a line correctly and you you hit the hearts of the audience you see it and you hear it and yeah. you just immediately want to be like yeah i'm so good at this look at me but yeah it's just anyway <laughs> yeah no good. that's that's fair and i can see like yeah, and it's easy to think, talk about, even after a play, it's easy to talk about, like, one actor that just really stole yeah. the show, and you mm -hmm. just sit there like, wow, this person's so talented, mm -hmm. and really captured this well, mm -hmm. and it's easy to get your audience to react, because mm -hmm. you're speaking in their language, mm -hmm. and so I can see how that struggle would be mm -hmm. there right yeah. away. Mm-hmm. I actually, I had this happen once. We were traveling up in uh, northwestern Saskatchewan, and we did a performance, and I was the only one in this performance who did well. It was one of our first performances. I was one of the returning members on our mm. team, and so I just had more experience. And I came out of that like feeling like pretty good about myself, and in the van, when it was just our team, we were uh, recapping kind of just going over what went well, what went badly. And uh, our drama leader gave me, like, praise. Like, oh, yeah, Joe did really well and Spotlight and everything and mm -hmm. all that. And I couldn't help but feel, like, so incredibly awkward about that. Because it was in that moment, it made me realize, like, I'd gotten all this praise, but, it, like, it really wasn't fulfilling because mm -hmm. all of it had gone to me. And when there's other people, like other, your other actors, like they hear that and they're like, that envy can can mm -hmm. break in. And that, it was, it was weird. Like the, the rest of that van ride and I was just thinking about that. Like, man, like I don't really want this type of praise mm -hmm. anymore. Like it's it feels good if the glory is given to God. And even if I'm the only one that excels, it doesn't matter because then as a team, we've given glory to yeah. God. And it's a lot more even because we, we're all going to have good and bad days with our art, right? And um, and sometimes you have one person carry mm -hmm. whatever 
like for worship maybe your drummer's just off but i don't know your guitarist is just shredding a solo the entire time and like if you're united as a team and you all have your eyes on the Mm -hmm. on giving glory to god it's so much more fulfilling and you don't feel like there's like a hierarchy in your team and yeah that that's that's been like a huge struggle as Mm -hmm. well and understandable Mm -hmm. i yeah so you how have you like are there any specific examples of times you've used your art and just like really seen god glorified through it Ooh. I mean, I, I'm sure there's plenty of <laughs> yeah, being on tour with Miller, but... Yeah, oh, there's lots. Um, oh, man, to pick just one. Um, well, two two examples mm-hmm. come to mind. Uh, the first one was in my first year doing drama here at Miller. Our Christmas production was called To Follow a Star, and it was a musical about the three wise men. So it started in Arabia and then moved to Jerusalem... They met baby Jesus, her two-year-old Jesus, all that type of stuff. And then they travel back, and there's a whole subplot about a coup and stuff like that. And it was really well written. It was two and a half hours long. Ooh. It was so long. And my uh, my character was, like, essentially a court jester. I was comedic relief. And I had the most stage time out of anyone. Not the most lines, but I was just always on stage. And we did this production, and we were starting the – it was Saturday night. We're Friday night or whatever. We're getting ready to um, go on for our first performance. And so we're in the green room. We walk up through the crowd, and it's a full house. And we're like, oh, my goodness. Like, this is a busy, busy production. And it was my first one. Like, I was so nervous. And me and um, another guy named Jay Velicott start, like, open the play. And we open on different sides. And so I'm waiting for him to come on, and it's not coming. Mm-hmm. I was sitting there so confused and we're behind the curtain just sitting there for like 25 minutes. We're like, we were supposed to start 25 minutes ago. What's going on? And no one's allowed to come like from the crowd and behind the curtain, not even our director. So we were sitting there like just completely left in the dark. Finally, our music cue starts and Jay goes on and we begin the production. And I was just like, what in the world? Like, I was so confused. We get through the end of the production and like, Keep bear in mind, like, during this production, you're looking at the lights, which is basically like looking into 18 trains, so you can't see anything mm-hmm. that's out there. And we finished the production, and I talked to Shania, I was like, what in the world was going on? Like, why yeah. why did we start so late? And she told me that they spent 25 minutes getting extra chairs for people who were filing wow. in. And it was... It, it struck me because it wasn't the level of the production that brought people in. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'd never performed this before. No one had ever seen it except the students, or except the students who were involved in mm-hmm. it. And yet God brought, there ended up being 900 people at that performance. Wow. Um, and God brought all these people in, like so much so that they had to get crews to bring more chairs in mm-hmm. to fill our gym just packed. This was before COVID, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, but Phil, this gym packed, and like on one night, that many people got to hear the mm-hmm. gospel message. And I know for a fact that lots of them weren't believers. Yeah. And so that was incredible for me. And like someone who is getting back into the arts from doing it in high school to doing it in college now, it was like, it was such an eye opener to like, wow, like 
it we really can't do anything mm-hmm. it has to be god who mm-hmm. brings the people here and that performance went well i mean it was that same performance um my my mic broke <laughs> in the third scene <laughs> uh i completely gutted the thing and i had to do a whole scene micless in a room full of 900 people yeah and the lord preserved my voice um with a lot of lemons and hot water yeah no kidding <laughs> yeah Oh my goodness. So that's that's one. Um, a second one was in a little bit more of a smaller uh, situation. We It was on our traveling drama team. We were going to Winnipeg and we went to the soup kitchen. And it was a super neat perf- um, situation because the guy who was there um, leading the whole thing, uh, this Native American guy, new believer, uh, it was kind of funny because he still swore a lot. And so I was like, oh, he's like still figuring it out. And, mm-hmm. um, but we got to know each other really well because it was both of our birthdays that day. It was okay. November 24th and we both had the same birthday. And so I got to know him, talk to him. And so he was kind of like showing me around for, through some things. And eventually these homeless people started showing up and like real broken people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ended up having a couple fights there while we were there. Wow. Um, and our team that year was just petrified they were so scared that like we were going to get hurt or you know they were a bunch of white kids and none of these people in the soup kitchen are um Mm -hmm. are are white they're all covered in tattoos and all this stuff and it came time where we were going to do some skits and everyone was sitting in our little green room we had and we're just so scared i just had this piece about Mm -hmm. it I was like, you know what? It's going to be okay. And we, we can do this. We we, we have to do this. Mm-hmm. We went up. We did our skits. It was like three skits. We got them done. And just kind of on the whim, our drama leader, uh, Megan at the time, mm-hmm. was like, we're going to sing a song. And we're like, what? what? what do you, like, we're none of us can sing. And we're mm-hmm. like, we're going to sing a song. And we're like, okay. So we all stood in the line. And we just, we sang Amazing Grace. Mm-hmm. And uh, while we were singing, um, a people just started standing up and they just started like coming up to us and just like shaking all our hands and saying thank you while we were still singing on the stage and like some of the people were like had tears in their eyes and stuff like that and so this place where we were at because we were there for like five six hours before we performed just doing work around the area um all these people were there had been like fights before were now like just completely calm and that opened the door for us to have conversations with these people and hear these people's stories. Like, mm-hmm. man, one of the guys who worked there got saved through a Scrabble game. Wow. It was insane. Like, he, um, uh, I think his, like, word on his board ended up being, like, beloved or something, and he knew that God was trying to get a hold of his heart. It was crazy. Wow. And all these people that I never would have talked to, like, mm-hmm. but the Lord... Just through the circumstance, and he made me comfortable when I knew that this random dude had the same birthday as me. Mm-hmm. And through this weird thing of drama, we got into this really dark place and was able to yeah. spread the word of God. And so that was that was really cool. That's um, awesome. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's that's such a cool story about like how God can literally use anything. Mm-hmm. I'm also ke- completely feeling justified in my love of Scrabble right now. <laughs> So there's that. I secretly just so you're secretly sixty five. I'm. I yeah. Well, that's one way of putting it, I guess. Or maybe I'm just you know good with words. Cause of course. 
Or sixty-five. Or sixty-five. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Joe. Okay, Joe. You can't. You can't say all. Oh, I just. I just like words. I like poetry. I. I do like poetry. <laughs> Scrap. To all our Scrabble fans who are listening, you are sixty-five, and I'm sorry because yes, that's just the truth. That's fine. It's fine. You. You should appreciate Scrabble too. You're a poet. <laughs> um. Well. But I don't want to be a sixty-five-year-old poet. You so. don't want to be a sixty-five-year-old yeah, poet. No. I, okay. I never want to. If I can never be sixty-five in my life, let's go from sixty-four to sixty-six. What's the What's the breaking point there? Sixty-five. What's, okay. Okay. I because okay, then I can't. If I turn sixty-five, I know that I'm going to go everywhere and check if there's a senior discount. And that's <laughs> going to be a constant reminder that I'm getting closer and closer to death. And so. <laughs> If I just skip that year all around, if I just go into stasis sleep for one year and suddenly I'm 66, I'm never going to think about that senior discount. I could go to Denny's and I could just order the country fried steak. You can you just know, do that. I, I, but I can do it without thinking about, you know, it's extra chewed up because I'm 65. <laughs> like, you know, I... I refuse to get older. You refuse to get old. Okay, no. you're just gonna be dressing like all the kids when you're like sixty five. I can see it. Now. What's up, my dudes? <laughs> it's like uh, one of the staff here decided to. She heard the kids use kids here using words like "yeet" and that slaps, and decided to say it in a meeting. Oh, <laughs> and, no. Because she was just meeting with some students. Okay. And so she, I thought you meant like staff meeting. No, she she decided to use it in a meeting with students. <laughs> and I wasn't at this meeting, but I heard all the stories. And now I'm just picturing you just like 65 and getting old and decrepit and just like yeet. <laughs> I wonder what the vernacular is going to be when we're 65. I don't. It's already so weird. <laughs> So weird. I don't even understand. Like, I've been a Miller. This is my third year Miller. And I thought I was hip and cool because I was a youth leader. And I was very, I was right out of high school before I came. And I was like always with youth. And then my sister came to Miller this year. And I feel like it's another language. And yeah. I just, I know all the words separately. And then she's putting, putting words that don't work together. Slaps is a good thing. Yes, it is. What? I, I know this because I'm not 65 for one, <laughs> but also because you have to be like on social media constantly and you just learn by osmosis. Oh no. <laughs> I follow, okay, actually I'm about to make myself sound real old because okay. the people I follow on Instagram are people who do fountain pen giveaways. <laughs> like that's my, that's, they're so, expensive. So the people that you follow are all from the 1800s. Well, and, <laughs> I mean, maybe. Shakespeare isn't really dead. They're just really nice. I love, I have four. And I love my fountain pens with all of my heart. You can buy them at Staples. And I do. And I use them during class. And I feel so sophisticated. I, I think we need to talk about your fountain pen addiction. This is an intervention now. I, I spent... My one pen cost me 70 bucks. Oh my goodness. I'm not kidding. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so much. You could buy like... <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> I could buy... 70? 
Yeah. You can buy 14 Big Macs with that much money. 14. That's your measurement? Yes. Big Macs? It's because they're so good. Big Macs sauce is holy water, I swear. It's... It's just Thousand Island dressing. And uh, and relish, and it's so good. I mean, like, in the Catholic Church... I'm just going to go straight up heretic here. In Catholic Church, if they did infant baptism with that instead of holy water, it would be a lot more entertaining. I'm just telling you. <laughs> it would be entertaining. That's not heresy. That's just hilarious. I'm just picturing this small child. <laughs> we will call him Little Mac. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. This podcast got completely derailed and I'm here for okay. it. We, we, can, so we, can re, we can put it back on the tracks here. Yeah, Let's... we can. I mean... Kind of. Um, I just have that image in my mind, and I don't know if I'm ever le- losing it. It's just going to be there forever. It's going to haunt my dreams. Just the Big Mac Lord, baptism. raise our little McNugget. <laughs> I would name my kid Nugget. Um, so, th- trying to actually get back on track here. Yes. Um, you're also a poet. Yes. And, fun fact, Joe is actually one of the two people who got me back into poetry. Um, in my first year of Miller, it was him and then my friend Alexa, who both, mm. they both did spoken words, um, or spoken word poems, and it made me realize I wanted to try spoken words, so mm. I started writing a few after that, and yeah, it was really cool, and the thing that really struck me about Joe specifically was, um, you did one called Get Up and Walk, yes. which you, I think you just recently I re-performed. Just, I just re-performed it a few and weeks ago. I, yeah, I loved it because... Um, it was almost like a monologue Mm -hmm. and your, also your drama skills just really come out in your poetry. (laughs) They help. That helps too, because you're telling the poem, but you're also acting and being Mm -hmm. very dynamic with it. Um, but yeah, the, I'm trying to find the right word here. The extent to which you shared the gospel Mm -hmm. in that poem, um, that was just really powerful to me because with poems you can use all kinds of words mm-hmm. and you can yeah you can make someone laugh and you can make someone cry and you can make someone feel like you're kind of you're getting really deep with them with mm-hmm. just a poem um in a way that you can't just like people just kind of think of poetry as different than music and mm-hmm. like you know um and it is different than music mm-hmm. but there's something about music and poetry that just there's a real separation there mm-hmm. and yeah i just how, what got you into poetry first Okay, off? I want to know. This is actually kind of an interesting story. Okay. Um, so I got shown the first spoken, well, the first spoken word uh, I'd ever listened to, I listened to in like junior high. Um, it's called Gospel. I forget who by the- By Propaganda? Yeah, by Propaganda. Yeah. And that was like one I'd come back to like every year or so and just watch because it, it really struck me just like the- that was the first time I ever heard spoken word, so, like, non-couplet poetry. Mm-hmm. And I really like the style. Uh, it took me a while to follow and figure mm-hmm. out and to get used to. But I was like, oh, this is kind of nifty, you know? Like, I'll kind of mm-hmm. get into that. And um, then in my grade 12 year, uh, I got shown this poem through a very sad circumstance, mm-hmm. actually. Uh it was, um, it's called, oh goodness, no, I, I'm not going to be able to remember, um, but, hold on, yeah. <laughs> give me, talk about something funny, Pam. I'm okay, oh this. no, I'm not funny. <laughs> um, yeah, so, 
I think that spoken, like your spoken word, I'm just thinking about like gospel. Mm-hmm. Gospel was actually, I watched that when I was also in junior high. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the first times that the word, like the gospel had actually been made clear to me. Mm-hmm. I'm a pastor's kid, grew up in stereotypical pastor house. Mm-hmm. Um, but that poem broke down each aspect of the gospel in a way that I understood in junior high. And mm-hmm. even though I didn't accept it, it mm-hmm. stuck in my head. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, that's the thing about po- poetry is like a couple lines can mm-hmm. just stick in your brain mm-hmm. and not leave. And so, yeah, I was, when I became a Christian, I was just thinking about the gospel and how it impacted me and God, our sins, paying everyone life mm-hmm. just stuck in my head. And I was just like, what, where did this come from? And it was propaganda back mm-hmm. when I was in grade six yeah. and it's such a powerful tool. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. So I, I found it. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the, uh, the poem was called the, it's called the to this day project mm-hmm. and it's a poem about bullying. Okay. Um, and it's, it talks about how, like, I went through this, and to this day, mm-hmm. I still can't get over this. Mm-hmm. And it really tugged at my heartstrings, mm-hmm. um, especially there's one section about mothers, mm-hmm. and uh just made me think about my own mom, and just, it just really struck me in an emotional way. I'm fairly emotional as a person, and so mm-hmm. that really struck me, and it kind of, like, put it on the back burner of my mind, fast forward to first year. Mm-hmm. Second semester, we have to do our creative project in theology. Mm-hmm. I decided, you know what? I'm going to try my hand at spoken word. Mm-hmm. I never really, I'd done a lot of creating creative writing. Um, I think in pictures. And so being able to like create pictures with words was something that mm-hmm. came fairly easy, easy, easily to me. Um, mm-hmm. But I was like, okay, I'm going to try my hand at this. And so I chose the topic of the hypostatic union. Yep. And I just put pen to paper for like three weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a ton of study and it ended up being seven pages long and um, like single column, obviously. And it, it was, it turned out to be great. I got a really good mark on it. And, uh, and I just love the process mm-hmm. and being able to, um, yeah, like use words to paint these pictures to describe things in a in a that seem indescribable by logical terms or would be mm-hmm. way too complicated really simply. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I used a lot of the things that I'd heard in the To This Day project. I actually like took some of the same lines or twisted them to make my own, make them my own, and I got a lot of like good reception from people, my classmates, my teachers, and. I ended up doing it in Vanguard Church. Chris mm-hmm. Brown asked me to do it there. And I was like, you know what? I should keep trying this because apparently I'm good mm-hmm. at it. And so I kept going and I would write usually when I was in a slump, when I was mm-hmm. either sad or angry because that's when um, the emotions were most yeah. hot. And uh, I would just write about how I was feeling. And the next one I wrote was... Um, I don't, I don't remember. It's called like the heart or something. Mm-hmm. And I wrote a bunch of them. I have around five now. And I took a lot of inspiration from a guy named Rudy Francisco. Uh, Rudy Francisco is a poet um, in the States. Um, and he is a, a lot like me. He is very emotional, thinks a lot in pictures and describes mundane things in such a beautiful way. Okay. 
And um, I have one of his poetry books. It's called Helium. And um, I was reading through it. And one of the ones that struck me um, is called, uh, it's called The Rifle Two. And it's all about um, words and how words are weapons. And um, I read that and I was like, wow, that's incredible. Um, I wonder if there's like a video of him performing it. And I looked on YouTube and I found a video of him performing it. And it, if you, if you want a, an amazing poem to listen to for men, mm-hmm. look up The Rifle Two by Rudy Francisco. It's phenomenal. He's a secular guy, um, but he really covers well um, the a lot of the issues of toxic masculinity mm-hmm. and how men are afraid to show and more to deal with their mm-hmm. emotions just something I've gone through Mm -hmm. and that inspired that was like kind of like between like my first and second writing Mm -hmm. of my big pose I saw this and I was like yes I'm going full in on this and Mm -hmm. so I started writing a lot I started writing shorter like one paragraph spoken words just kind of like dealing with how I was feeling at the time and some of them were even just like prayers to God. Just like, mm-hmm. man, this is how I'm feeling. And I don't know what other way to get it out than to just, yeah. you know, scream at this paper and see what happens. And, but yeah, that's a very long-winded mm-hmm. version of kind of how I got into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Fair oh. enough. Mm-hmm. No, I, I get that. That I think it's pretty similar to how I got into it. Obviously, instead of a famous poet, I had... Mr. Joe Dohal here, kind of tugging at those heartstrings. But yeah, I remember like listening to it and just like, I'm also a highly emotional person mm-hmm. and I'm more articulate in pap- on paper than I am in uh, with my words just mm-hmm. coming out of my mouth. And so, yeah, I had a lot of emotion and I didn't really know how to get it out. And so I started just kind of writing poetry and it came to a point where I would, my prayer like I would write down my prayers and they would be in poetry form because mm-hmm. that's just how my brain worked mm-hmm. and so yeah and I didn't really do anything with it and then I heard you perform and I was like hey I can actually do something with this mm-hmm. and yeah I I really liked it because it was something that I could express how I was feeling mm-hmm. in a way that was abstract enough that it could relate to everyone because I knew that like, my own personal struggles, I'm going to write about it, and it's going to mm-hmm. be really li- relatable to me. But mm-hmm. you can take what I'm writing and then also see yourself in it somehow, mm-hmm. and I really liked that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, that's, most of my poems, I write, I have to write off of something. I'm not super mm-hmm. creative in my own head. Yeah. Um, uh, and I would journal through passages, or p- write poems through passages of scripture. Mm-hmm. And that was really inspired like that just really helped a lot that was like my first two I wrote was the one about the woman caught in adultery in Mm. John 8 or John 9 Um, Um, yes John 8 John 8 um that's that one was really important to me because that was me reflecting on my testimony Mm -hmm. and then that passage was what led me to Christ and Mm so I was intertwining both my my testimony and the story and when I performed it the first time people said they couldn't really tell which part was the story about me and which part was the story about the woman in adultery. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was told a lot afterwards that people really understood the story and could see themselves in it. And that made mm-hmm. me realize, like, poems can be something very powerful to articulate the gospel mm-hmm. in a way that people understand. Mm-hmm. Because 
I think deep down we're all very dramatic people. Mm-hmm. And we're all very emotional people. Yeah. And it's just how much we let to the surface. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, poetry always brings it to the surface. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Everybody says they hate poetry when they're in school. Mm-hmm. But if you listen to a really well done poem, yeah. it hits different. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's, it's interesting the power that words have. Mm-hmm. And how, you know, just p- arranging them in a specific way. Mm-hmm just works so well mm-hmm. to articulate a message. And, yeah, again, it sticks in your head. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I your poem just in my brain, I just hear people say, you're, I hear you in the back of my mind saying, get up and walk. Yeah. And just that line, and I just, I don't remember the rest of the poem specifically, but I remember the poem mm-hmm. and just, like, the meaning behind it. I remember the power that it had in my brain that I was like, wow, that's mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. Um, Aaron who we all know from other episodes of this podcast, did one on the, the burning bush mm-hmm. and painted a wild picture about what that looks like to be in the presence of God. Mm-hmm. And I remember like that poem just moving me to tears because of the picture of holiness that she painted. And holiness is such an abstract concept mm-hmm. that, you know, it's Christianese. We, we know what it means, but we don't really know what you mean, it means. And mm-hmm. if you say it, in the presence of someone, they'll think, okay, Catholic Church, mm. that's it. Yeah. But Aaron was able to articulate holiness and that set-apartness mm-hmm. and the absence of sin, presence of God mm-hmm. in a wonderful way because of that. Mm-hmm. And so, it, yeah, it, it helps. Art helps move the Christianese into a common vernacular mm-hmm. in a way that not like just a sermon can't Mm -hmm. and i think like things like art or things like drama or poetry or i don't know i think even to a degree like dancing Mm -hmm. could like that that hurt me to say as a conservative (laughs) baptist i must say oh Mm -hmm. that that hurt but like all these things can be used in powerful ways to articulate the gospel and everybody connects to some form of art like Mm -hmm. i don't necessarily love sitting through a sermon Mm -hmm. and none of my friends loves or i i do now but like Mm -hmm. i never used to but even as an atheist Mm -hmm. i could appreciate a christian poem Mm -hmm. because it like it just it tugged at my heart and people i know who are athletes but if you sit them in front of like a really good play Mm-hmm. they'll be completely enthralled. Even though it's not necessarily their heart language, mm-hmm. it still speaks to their heart. Totally. It's so. a, yeah, it's a universal language, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah, that's kind of like going back to what mm-hmm. I was saying before. Like, it's, you, you can bring it anywhere. Yeah. And um, you, can, you can talk to anyone about it. And it's also, like, a secular interest as well. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like, kind of, I see it mostly as a huge evangelism tool mm-hmm. as someone who doesn't do well with mm-hmm. like in your face Billy Graham evangelism mm-hmm. um I need to be more subtle and more mm-hmm. creative with it yeah um it's it's a it's a secular interest right mm-hmm. no one in the secular world is going to be drawn to a sermon unless they somehow end up at one yeah right or they're invited. You don't just, like, I don't know, I, you probably know more because I've been a Christian mm-hmm. my whole life. But um, you're not going to be like, you know what, I'm 
just I just want to hear this guy speak. Yeah, no. About Jesus, you know? Like, you end up there. Mm-hmm. And God can use that and lead you to hear the gospel mm-hmm. if he wants you to hear it. But, like you said, someone's like, we saw with to follow a star. People are going to come and watch place. People yeah. are going to, wa- like, go and watch um, spoken word uh, mm-hmm. events. There's a spoken word place in Calgary mm-hmm. um, where they have shows every month. And people come and you can talk about anything yeah there's people who are so far on the like left side of things that talk about the things that are on their heart and then there's mm-hmm. people that are up there and just talking about the gospel and people go because they want to hear the spoken word yeah and that's that's so cool that's the yeah the uh the versatility of that mm-hmm. and especially in like a postmodern era art is a helpful tool because if you're if you call yourself an artist, you can get away with anything. Like, Definitely. literally anything. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and people can, people are hungry for spirituality almost. Mm-hmm. So if you're talking about some form of hope in the time of disaster mm-hmm. that comes from somewhere outside of yourself, people are going to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, that's something I found. I started just sharing my poems online and mm-hmm. just on Facebook. I'd be like, you know what? I just wrote this. Do what you want with it. And I have a lot of non-Christian friends. I have a lot of witch friends still. I have a lot of, like, friends that just used to be Christian and just don't care anymore. And they were liking this poem and texting me about it and commenting on it. I'm sitting there like, this is, like, a poem about having faith in Christ. You know that, right? And they're like, yeah, but it made sense. Mm -hmm. And it was, like, it's something I was going through. And God really uses it, too. I like I published one and then I had people texting me like, Hey, I'm sending this to a friend of mine right now because it, it helps explain what they're going through and it sympathizes with their pain, but it also says that there's something else Mm -hmm. and there's a meaning behind it. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was, that's really what made me realize that it was more than just a hobby for me. Mm -hmm. It was something that God can use and God can use anything. Like he gave us these skills Mm -hmm. And why would we be selfish and just keep them secret? Like, mm-hmm. drama is a s- legit, literal skill. Mm-hmm. And I it baffles my mind every time I watch a drama that mm-hmm. people can go on stage. And I know Joe's on stage, but there's another person on stage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, that baffles my mind. Or, mm-hmm. like, things like poetry where you just are so good with words that people can read it. And just, it, it hits in such a personal way every mm-hmm. time. Or art, like Aaron paints the most beautiful paintings. Mm -hmm. And we keep, the school actually keeps some of her paintings up. Mm -hmm. And she is able to articulate the gospel with a picture of a deer in the forest. Mm -hmm. And it just baffles me that people don't think of that as worship. Because I guarantee you, if you asked Aaron what that painting was about, Mm -hmm. she would be talking about creation. She would be talking about the gospel. She'd be talking about how amazing a creator God is Mm -hmm. and then bring it back and say, and that God changed my life Mm -hmm. and saved me. And so, yeah, it's, it's such a wonderful tool Mm -hmm. that I think the church overlooks, Mm -hmm. especially because of like the age of enlightenment where we Mm -hmm. just kind of know art, bad Mm -hmm. theology, good. The two are intertwined. Mm -hmm. We serve a creative God. Definitely. Who, one who gave us emotion. Yeah. And I mean, there's 150 Psalms. Yeah, Bible, right? exactly. Like, um, and yeah, like David, David's like a huge inspiration for art for me because mm-hmm. not, 
only does he write psalms, but it also says in the Bible that David would sing and David mm-hmm. would, David played the harp mm-hmm. and all these, and he uses it to honor God. Yeah. And that, that that's so cool to me that like mm-hmm. it doesn't feel wrong to mm-hmm. be like, oh, so you do poetry? Obviously, you yeah. are blah, 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 and mm-hmm. you only care about emotions and you're mm-hmm. all accepting yeah. and all that. And it's like... That's, that's, that's not, not what it is. No. And, like, other pictures in Scripture, too. Like, one of the major prophets, I can't remember if it was Ezekiel or Jeremiah, like, did a drama, basically, mm-hmm. for most of his life to show... Ezekiel, yeah. Yeah, that was Ezekiel. Mm-hmm. And, like, he literally lived out what it looked like to be completely scorned by God and then mm-hmm. rest restored by God. Mm-hmm. And, like, we're going through Dan Rev right now, mm-hmm. or Daniel in Revelation, and the picture of, like... God inspired people to not just write facts. Mm-hmm. He wrote beautiful things in his mm-hmm. book. The book of Revelation paints a beautiful picture mm-hmm. of heaven. And I, I love the book of Revelation because you cannot look at it logically. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> um, it's, for me, it just, it creates a beautiful picture of God's glory. Mm-hmm. And you can't, like, we see, we see God's glory all over the Bible. Obviously, yeah. and we can look very logically as Christians in at a lot of different different areas. Like we can mm-hmm. even look at creation logically. Yeah, um, you can look at the science of it. But there's, <laughs> I might be treading like tough waters here. But like there is, in my opinion, there isn't a lot of science in Revelation. Yeah, like that's just pure God's power. Mm-hmm. And to look at that with an artistic view and just being like, wow, look at the glory of this. Yeah. I can't think my way through this, mm-hmm. but I could just sit back and be like, wow, what a great and powerful God. We yeah. Have. And so, yeah, that's checking the time. But, we got yeah. That. Sweet. It's, yeah, I guess we can wrap up pretty quickly mm-hmm. here, but yeah, it's cool to see how God has used your art mm-hmm. and how the gospel can be shown through that. And mm-hmm. I hope like whoever's listening like, I guarantee you, you have a skill of some kind. And even in football, like, mm-hmm. if that's your if that's your heart language, good for you. Mm-hmm. Use I, it on to the Lord. Use it for the Lord. And, like, you truly can. That's what my dad used to do was sports. And he would run sports camps and talk about how mm-hmm. sports is an analogy for the church. Mm-hmm. And how, like, you... And I don't know, I didn't really understand any of his things. But, you know, if it works for you, it works for you, man. And, like, yeah, just God's blessed all of us with such amazing gifts. Let's not squander it. Mm -hmm. Let's use it to glorify him because he is a God. He is not simply a God of facts and Mm -hmm. theology. Like, Mm -hmm. he's a God who gave us beauty Mm -hmm. and who gave us strength and who gave us skills. Mm -hmm. Let's glorify him with that. Yeah. Okay, I have a quick question for you. Oh, yes. Here we go. What is the strangest thing you've ever drawn? Oh, my goodness. Okay. <laughs> um, there's a former Miller alumni who had the most creative imagination I've ever seen in my life. Uh, she came here about five, six years ago. Okay. And she worked for my dad for a bit. And she descri- she decided that she was going to describe me as a made-up creature. Because I was beyond the realm of real creatures. Mm-hmm. And so she described me as a tutter flyicorn. 
a turtle, a butterfly, and a unicorn because I was this beautiful contradiction between social butterfly and awkward turtle who wanted to hide in a shell. But I was just strange enough that there was a little bit of unicorn in me. Okay. And so, and also I was a huge punk fan. So she called me a punk rock tutterfly acorn. Oh boy. And one day... I decided before she she uh, left our church, I was going to draw her this punk rock tutterfly acorn. And it was like a turtle that was black and red with like smudged eye- eyeliner and a unicorn horn and a, uh, a-, a mohawk <laughs> and studs and had butterfly wings. Oh, okay. that's <laughs> that's that's my weirdest thing I've ever drawn. I think I drew it on a sticky note, honestly. Oh, that's so, yeah. That's probably the weirdest. I would also just draw Stitch doing weird things because mm. I love Lilo and Stitch. Mm. And I would just draw Stitch on everything. Mm. And so, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Be blessed in the most chaotic way possible, everyone. And since Aaron's not here, I'll say the other line. Enjoy your coffee. <laughs>